Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to what is, I think, both the most and least professional version of Buckeye Talk that we have ever done. We are sitting on Radio Row at Big Ten Media Days at a table with a white tablecloth on it in a line of radio shows. So that makes us fancy. But we're also still just like talking into a computer and everybody else has headsets and big signs. There's one, there's a show called The Doug and Daddy Show, which Bill thinks we should steal. No, I'm not. I'm not I'll tell you right now, I'm not being daddy. <laughs> um, but we're here to talk about. <laughs> you recognize that laugh? He's here. Um, we're here to talk about Ohio State football here from Big Ten Media Days in Chicago. Doug Maurice of Cleveland.com, Bill Landis of Cleveland.com, and Ari from the Athletic. Ari. Ari. I don't want to say I don't want he to say moved, my last name. He's like Cher now, and he has one Madonna. He has one name. <laughs> you want the full name? You got to pay for it, baby. Drake. <laughs> so, um, so Ari, as we, uh, you guys all know, has moved on, um, but he's back for this, and he's. This is a. We want to get into some personal lifestyle stuff, mostly Ohio State football, but this is a big change for Ari. It's sort of his. It's his farewell podcast. Although we will have him back on sometime as a guest, as a guest, yeah, maybe. but he's also thirty now, and he's completely changing his life. So, can you, in fifteen seconds, uh, summarize how your life is going to completely change now that you're thirty? First of all, I lost my two best friends, so I've got to <laughs> join a friend network site. Um, I'm going to start up with a trainer again. I'm getting golf clubs. I'm taking golf lessons. I'm con- thinking about buying property. And I'm trying to assimilate into adulthood. Buying property is a really funny way to just say, I'm buying a house. And I think I'm going to add a baby aspirin regimen because I heard it's good for heart attacks. Oh, I take a baby aspirin. I'm actually allergic to aspirin. I don't know why I said that. Really? And fava beans. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Those are the two things. Okay. So Ari's back, back from his European tour. Um, back from his 20s, and we're here. We're going to talk about – I want to talk about Kevin Wilson for a bit. I want to talk about whether Jim Harbaugh should wear a suit or not. Um, Urban Meyer I thought was really good here in Chicago. Um, he's always really good. You ask him a question and he answers it, which we appreciate. Um, Billy Price, Chris Worley, Taekwon Lewis were here. Um, but let me ask this first. Do you, think, do you guys think Jim Harbaugh should wear a suit? He wore game day sideline attire. When he showed up today on Tuesday to talk, he's wearing khaki pants and like a blue Nike sweatshirt 
and an M lo- an M block M cap and his sideline glasses. He looks like he's ready to go coach a game right now. Everybody else is in a suit. Should he wear a suit? Or is this him this like promoting the Harbaugh brand by doing this? It's like I don't know how I feel about it because like when he walked in, I leaned over to Bill and I said, I've been to Pac twelve media days, I've been to Big Ten media days, we've been through this a lot. He's the first coach that I've ever seen not wear a suit to this event. And I don't really know how I feel about it. I mean he you know he's always a different guy, but is it disrespectful? I don't know if I if I view it that way. Disrespectful to, to us? I don't know. Like, I'm not wearing a suit. I I don't mean I don't care. I think wearing a one. I will say it'll, uh, he's not the brand that he is promoting is uh, Jordan and Nike and not Jim Harbaugh. So I wouldn't give him that much credit. But um, no, I don't think he has to wear a suit. Doug's look, Doug looks nice. He wore a sport coat. I'm not wearing a suit. Ari's not wearing a suit. Ninety eight percent of the media here aren't wearing suits. He doesn't look like a slob. He's wearing Michigan stuff. I think he looks okay. I think it's just more of like, if there's something to be done different, he's just going to do it differently. And I think that that can be irritating for some people because they're, you know, those, everybody has those people in their life where things are done a certain way and everybody does them that way. And then, of course, you have to be the person who doesn't. That type of thing doesn't really irritate me. If that's what he wants to do, that's what he wants to do. But I'm really looking forward to hearing what Doug has to say about this. No, I just i i can't just i can't tell if he like is not wearing a suit because he like consciously wants to be different, or if he like just decided I don't want to wear a suit. Like suits are stupid because he wore a suit last year with a baseball cap and sneakers, and he wore a full normal suit his first year. So it's not like he's always done this. He's sort of evolved or devolved into this <laughs> look, and. I just don't know Jim Harbaugh well enough to know how much is is there conscious thought of something like this, or did he just like wake up and put this on? I think he just woke up and put it on, just like rolling out of. It's like all, it's, it's all instinctual. It's like oh, I'm out of bed, got to put my my because he wears it all the time. The blue sweatshirt, the khaki pants, the hat, and the glasses are just like what he wears every single day and has worn every single day for the last three years. So he just rolled out of bed and put his uniform on. So but I, he didn't the other two years. So what? What, what changed now? Is now because he's had back to back ten win seasons, he can be himself. Maybe he had a suit on and spilled something on it. After all no. this, the dry cleaning just didn't get done in yeah. time. Yeah, that could be. It was lost in the like. Yeah, it got lost and his luggage got lost. Yeah, but I do think that like promoting the brand is a thing too. I mean, they always want to promote the brand, and but everyone's like. P.J. Fleck wore a Minnesota-colored sport coat and looked very nice and said Sky Yuma and rode the boat 19 times. Like, there are other ways to promote the brand outside yeah. of wearing a sweatshirt. No, I, no, I get days. it with the, with, the, with the Jordan Jumpman logo on his chest. I don't know if, if there's anything to that or not or if it's just Jim Harbaugh playing by Jim Harbaugh's rules, but that's kind of how he is with everything. All right. <clears throat> we'll talk Ohio State now. I have a question. I asked Urban Meyer about this. I'm going to see what you guys think. They have so, and I've expressed my worry about this previously. They have so many good defensive ends. I wonder how they're all going to play. Urban Meyer was talking about five. I don't know if he's like throwing Chase Chase Young in there. Draymond Jones as an end, or he, as or, a pass rusher. Yeah, he was okay. talking about it in the spring. It's the four ends we know we know and Draymond Jones. Okay, is it possible to have too many good players? Which is basically what I asked Urban Meyer, um, and then I said, you know, and he said, "Why? Well, I'd rather have two minutes. A good problem to have." Kind of answer, but. He did then on his own, and I love when he does this. It's like 
you ask him a thing and he kind of poo-poos it a little bit, but then he keeps thinking about it and then he comes up with an example on his own that you hadn't thought of. But he went back and he talked about how in 2015 he felt like he came in in every news conference, guys like us were asking, well, how come this guy's not getting the ball more? How come this guy's not getting the ball more? And that they almost had too many good offensive players and I think they went out of their way to like try to give the ball to Braxton Miller in ways that maybe weren't natural to the offense. And I, I think and they, that's something that they you could, identified while it was happening, too. They like got in their own heads about it. Didn't you think that? You thought that during the season. I'll, I distinctly remember you yeah. always saying it's just not natural. Right. This 2015 you're talking about. Yeah, 2015. Yeah. They had so – like almost – it's weird to say, but almost too many good offensive players. And he said that. So is it possible – I mean, it's just managing egos. It's – Deciding on rotations, I mean, are the four defensive ends going to rotate equally? If someone's having a great game, do you play a hot hand? Is it possible that, like, it could be an issue at all? Like, and maybe we would never find out about it, but is it possible that somebody would be like, man, I only got 21 snaps that game and somebody else got 53. I thought we were going to rotate. Well, I think I'd be good enough to be a starting defensive end at every other school in the Big Ten. I think that the difference between this and the receiver's Situation is is that it, it's more of an outward issue on offense because touches are in the box score. Like you can see how many receptions a player had, how many carries they had, how many yards they had. I don't think anybody looks at the box score and looks at the snap count from a game. So when you're talking about did Braxton Miller touch the ball enough in 2015 or should he have been used in different ways, it's just more outwardly obvious. Uh, I don't know that that's going to be the case, and it might just seem natural as a rotation because that's what Ohio State's always done with the defensive ends. I just think it's easier. It's it's easier on defense, I think, and I think that Larry Johnson in particular has done a pretty good job of like selling the defensive lineman on. Listen, you're only going to play 30, 40 snaps a game, but because you're only playing 30, 40 snaps a game, you are at your best all the time. You were never tired, and I think guys probably see the value in that by this point. Having seen what Joey Bosa was in, in 2015, he was fresh, he was rested, his body was good for the NFL, he had no issues. Like, There's a lot of, of pluses I think you can sell with this. And the flip side is, everyone was asking why Joey Bosa didn't have more sacks in 2015. Part of that was because he was getting triple teamed all the time, and part of it was because he was not on the field quite as often as he was before that prior in his career. He still played a lot. He might actually be a bad example because he was probably too good to leave off the field. But I do think that there are positive selling points to defensive linemen in particular about constantly being fresh and at your best. Meanwhile, the offense has been out there. Offensive linemen who are trying to block you have been out there for 70, 80 snaps. And in the fourth quarter, they're dogging it, and you still just you feel just as fresh as you were in the first quarter. And there's no there's no egos involved. Like There's no ball to give someone on defense. And Ta- Taekwon Lewis would be an interesting person to sell that to, too, because he a lot of people were surprised that he came back and then at the end of the road here, he can come back and work on the things that he needed to work on and still be ready for the NFL and maybe limit his injury risk. Yeah. And Tyquan Lewis isn't going to, isn't going to complain about it. I, I was talking to Tyquan Lewis about how tight he is with Larry Johnson. There'll be a story coming on that. Um, it's going to be interesting. Like I'm just on, they're really good there. I'm just like a little bit on alert there. I'm curious how it's going to, how it's going to shake out. I'm interested in how it's going to, how they're going to get everybody in, but I, I like what what is the like play the what if game like? What's the negative outcome you could envision? Tension in that room. Um, if somebody pouts to the extent that they don't, they're not as effective when they're on the field because they're mad that they're not playing more. I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess it's real. I, I, I think at this point, and, and Larry Johnson, I think, is maybe the perfect man to try to manage that just with his demeanor and the way he connects with those guys. But I think that is a real thing, and for most teams it would be an issue, but I don't think it will be for that group. Um, let's stay on defense real quick. Can the linebackers be better than they were last year? Could they lose Raekwon McMillan and get better? Because everyone's talking about Booker the way they are. And Worley, um, if he makes a good, if he adapts well to middle linebacker, you figure Baker was really good last year, he'll be better. If Booker's really good, could they be better at linebacker even? I don't, yeah, maybe. I I think they're just going to be so different, so I, I don't know. It might be tough in the end to compare them, and particularly because of Chris Worley compared to Raquan McMillan. They're just not the same player, really, in any way, shape, or form. But I think like you have three really good athletes at linebacker, and I think in the end that makes you better. It makes you able to cover more of the field. Um, I have questions, and I think I've said this before, about whether or not the middle of the defensive line is good enough to take the pressure off of Chris Worley to have to be an inside run stopper. Because I don't think he's big enough to be that on a consistent basis like Raquan McMillan was, and particularly at the end of last season, he was awesome at it. Um, but if guys like Tracy Sprinkle and Michael Hill and Draymond Jones and Robert Landers and Davon Hamilton and whoever else plays at defensive tackle are improved to the point where it's not just on Chris Worley to be a run stopper, then yeah, I think they can be better this year. I think it's just a little bit of averages. I think it's possible that Jerome Baker comes out and becomes the best linebacker in college football this year. Chris Worley is Chris Worley. I think we know. It's high praise. But I agree. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't if, he's, if he's a projected top half of the first round or a first round draft pick, that just already is the case. Yeah. So if if that happens, then that's a step forward from what Baker was last year, which was really good. Worley is, I think, what Worley is, um, and I think it's all going to come down to whether or not we believe that Dante Booker is going to be that next great off, outside linebacker. And the way people are talking about him, it does seem rational to think that you know everything's always with better or worse that they can be as effective as they were last year. I don't think that that's that much of a stretch to assume is going to happen. No, that's Doug and I did a video, a YouTube live video from here on Monday uh, that nobody watched. Seven people were watching it. Um, Thanks, Mom. Talking about the linebackers and Dante Booker in particular, and I said that in the spring I was asking Bill Davis, the linebackers coach, about Dante Booker, and he said that Dante Booker, if healthy and like playing at peak level, is probably their best linebacker, which, like, Remembering how good Jerome Baker was last year and how solid of a guy Chris Worley is for Dante Booker to be the best guy in that group, I think is like that's not that's not a small thing. That best linebacker in that group is one of the best linebackers in the country. I can't wait to see what it looks like because I also don't know if in my head what I think of Dante Booker is that high flying, fast outside linebacker that everybody's saying he is. Yeah, and he beat Baker out last year, which we've mentioned multiple times on this podcast. I just want to see what it looks like. Um, I want to talk about Kevin Wilson because I have a new theory now. It's like a, I feel this is like almost like a TV show theory. I did a thing I wanted to maybe do it of trying to write like recaps of a football game each weekend, like you're writing a recap of a TV show, oh, and yeah. you pretend that like the players are just characters, and like oh what a plot twist that like uh, Dante Booker got hurt in week one and Jerome Baker comes in. Like is that guy like leaving because? Didn't you write a gamer like that once? I can't remember. Um, here's my new theory. Everything, is it possible that every bit of analysis about Ohio State the last two years, when they were really good, but, but just shy of playing for national titles, 
Does every bit of analysis come down to the play calling was bad and now it's fixed? And that's it. Yeah. The probably, end. Probably. Like everything else, like, well, this this group, this talent, oh, this, like, they didn't they lost Tom Herman. They did a bad job replacing him. Kevin Wilson's going to be a good replacement. End of story. If Kevin Wilson or Tom Herman had been the play caller the past two years, they would have been in the national championship game those two years too. And the, like the fix in your mind is like decisiveness in play calling. I feel like there was good, a lot of just goodness. Well, good, like, yeah, being obviously good at knowing it. which play to call, obviously. <laughs> but I also feel like there were a lot of times the last two years where they like looked like they didn't know what they were doing or what they were supposed to run, and it took too long for the, for the play to get in. Yeah, and, and, and at fourteen, we, they were just like, "Let's go." And we know, I mean, part of that's the tempo stuff that they got away from tempo a little bit. Kevin Wilson's going to bring a quicker tempo back when they when they want to do it sometimes. And we all know in two thousand fifteen, the loss was all about play calling. We all knew that in the moment that it happened against Michigan State. But like, is it? Because I feel like you know, I'm gonna I want to write all this stuff about like, well, they didn't have as much senior leadership, and what are they going to do in the second? It's like, they've been the same team with different guys. But they've basically been the same team, which is a super talented, deep, athletic, good team. And they just had two years of bad play calling. And in 2014, they had good play calling. And that's, and that's like, we're just going to shut down the website and not yeah. write any more stories because there's <laughs> nothing else to say. I think, is it truly that simple? I don't know if it, it is that simple. I don't want it to be that simple. But I it think might it, be. Is, it might be that simple, but I think that. At least two years ago, they got to that dysfunctional play-calling place by having a dysfunctional quarterback situation. And I think those probably played hand-in-hand a little bit. Um, The confusion of how to run the offense with Cardale was a lot different than how to run it with JT. So I think there was an actual event that happened in that season that caused it. But then they stuck with the same people that had that issue adapting to it two years ago last year, and then it reoccurred. But... I think everybody's analysis of the Kevin Wilson hire is the issue has already been fixed, and I don't understand how in one breath people can say, it's cool, we're good, dude, passing's back, and then not know who the receivers are going to be. Well, I think I was just like thinking about it as you were talking. I think that's probably not it. I think that Kevin Wilson being the play caller is not just the quick fix and everything's okay. That doesn't fix JT Barrett's inaccuracies as a passer. Unless it does. But why? But play calling? Coaching during the week of the quarterbacks and play calling in games to have JT Barrett in the situation to be his most confident and have plays called that fit him the best and put him in the best situations to succeed and give him the confidence to execute the plays that are called. But there's also like mechanical stuff involved in that too that goes beyond play calling, isn't there? Unless his mechanics break down because he doesn't feel he doesn't feel confident in the play call and doesn't feel confident in the game plan and doesn't feel confident in himself, which which coaching is part of, and then that begins the backslide into the physical issues. I'd buy that. And when Paris Campbell runs into Curtis Samuel and takes an open receiver out of the play, that's what bad work in practice on those play calls and calling a play that maybe you weren't prepared to run. And Isaiah Prince not being able to block anybody is... That's a failure of development on the offensive line. Um, we're talking about the same people when we're talking about the same coach. We're yeah, talking about that, but. I, I, I mean, I guess it's... I'm, I mean, 
play calling is a big part of it, but like to be even more specific, is it like it's just coaches? They change the coaches, yeah, and the coaches are better, and that's it. And that happened in defense after the 2013 season, a little bit. Yeah, I think uh-huh. I think that's it. I mean, I think that's the same thing, right? Yeah, it might not be run pass downfield slant route, but the coaches on the defensive side of the ball didn't identify the right talents that should have been on the field in 2013. They lost the Big Ten championship Von game Mel. because they didn't have the personnel and the game plan to stop Michigan State's offense, and they ended up losing. Then they fixed the coaches, and then that issue disappeared, and they won a national title. So just shut it down, then? That- <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll get you next week. On- we'll be back for the Ohio State-Michigan game. I think it's mostly that – I and. Just saying it's the coaches like in, encompasses, I think, a lot. I think we're, we're kind of short-selling what just changing the coaches actually means. I think there's a lot to, as much as they didn't say there was a total teardown and rebuilding of JT Barrett in the spring, I think there probably was with Ryan Day, and maybe that was more mental than it was physical. But that's like more than, oh, the coaches is different. Like, yes, Ryan Day is not Tim Beck, and Ryan Day is seemingly a little more fit to do that than maybe Tim Beck was, but... Fixing your quarterback is like a major deal that I don't think should be overlooked and just like wiped away under, oh, they got new coaches. How much of JT being, in quotes, broken had to do with things out of his control? Probably most of it. Almost all Sometimes I wonder if fixing the things that were out of his control is enough and you don't have to tear down and rebuild somebody when you rebuild the infrastructure that was bringing him down personally. I think there's a mental aspect to it, though. Yeah, and I think that that mental aspect probably made a huge toll because if you use that mental aspect of feeling inadequate at times for a year, two years. He spent an entire season being uh, probably close to completely lacking confidence in his offensive line and the ability to block for him. And I think even if, like... Whatever, you coach with the offensive line and they're better and they're blocking really well. It still takes JT Barrett a minute to actually trust the fact that someone's not going to come smoke him from the blind side. I mean, what about somebody didn't yeah. get blocked? And the idea that when he announced he was coming back, people hated it. I think that there's you could press in your game by trying to prove people wrong and all those things. I think there's a negative side to those types of things too. I don't somebody who's put up the stats and the wins that he has over the course of his career to be met with that site that type of Reaction from your fan base, I think, is a is a thing that he is going to have to overcome as well. So I can't tell. There's like ambient noise behind us from uh, like yeah, I'm freaking the out. Daddy Show and stuff and other other. I can't <laughs> tell if, if it sounds cool. If it's like a like sometimes there's like a little background hum that makes it sound like we're in the moment. We're like yeah. things are happening. We're like right in the middle of it all. Or is it just annoying you guys? Because the thing I, I am know. looking at in the chart is that when we talk, it's drastically louder than the ambient noise. Which is good. But I don't know what it's going to sound like. And You're going to knock that ambient noise out when you produce? Can you I'm going to do my best this? Yeah, as a, as a novice uh, audio producer. All right. Should we give you a little silence there again to work with? Isn't that good? I got it. We're good. I got someone doing it. I got some we're silence? Good. Yeah. Um, all right. So there's, there's two things I want to do. But first, Ari. Here we go. I want to talk about the Greater Cleveland Food Bank. Each holiday, birthday, or anniversary, instead of just doing the usual, do you have any birthdays or anything coming up you got to buy presents for? I had a birthday, but you forgot about it. Oh, okay. Maybe I'll do this. Belated 30th birthday present for Ari. 
Instead of like a tie, I was going to get you a tie. Do you own a tie, by the way? I have a few nice ties, actually, but they've been tied for seven years because my dad tied them for me from high school, and I've never untied them, so I just put them on and, and tighten them up around the neck. You're, they're nice ties. You are a special person, man. <laughs> so instead of giving Ari a pre-tied tie, why not give the gift of food? You can make a tribute gift in the name of a friend, a relative, a former coworker. To the Greater Cleveland Food Bank, which is a partner of Cleveland.com. And making a donation feels good, right? It feels good. It shows that you appreciate the person in your life, and it helps fight hunger in Northeast Ohio. The food bank will send an e-card immediately to let your loved one, loved one, or Ari, or Ari. Yeah. know of your kindness. And it doesn't need to be a huge donation, which is good for Ari's birthday, because, I mean, let's be honest. Five or ten bucks is probably going to do it. Yeah. The food bank will take it. Listen, man, every little bit helps. Every dollar, every dollar, listen to this, every dollar can provide four meals. Think about that, to someone who really needs it. Last year, the food bank provided 50 million meals to hungry people in Northeast Ohio. If you want to know more, visit greatercleavelandfoodbank.org. So I want to do two things. I want us to make predictiones about J.T. Barrett's season and they want to do a retrospective on the life and times of Ari Wasserman. Ooh. What should we do first? Let's JT. do JT first. All right. I don't like pinning people down necessarily on predictions. Like we did our Cleveland.com preseason poll, which serves as the official preseason poll of the Big Ten. Ohio State got 29 out of 38 first-place votes to win it. Saquon Barkley was the preseason offensive player of the year. Tyquan Lewis was the preseason defensive player of the year. But that's what we thought in July. And so I... I'm not going to hold myself to what I did in that poll as my real picks that I'm going to give to you guys before the season. So when we do those, we'll do them at the end of August because I want to see camp. Mm-hmm. I want to see stuff. I want to gather the most information I can gather before I decide is Ohio State going to go 12-0 and or not. Um, so we're talking about this at this phase, which is the pre-information gathering stage because I think this preseason camp is going to matter a lot for JT Barrett. But if you had to go basically one of two choices, black and white, Big bounce back here for JT or more of the same in what we saw in the second half of last season, which is more likely. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go? More of the same, I think. Really? Okay. I think it's going to be better than last year. I don't think it's going to be freshman year. Can it be in between? I mean, yeah, it can be in between. I mean, I mean I don't, I don't no mean, nuance. I mean, yeah. I think. No. I mean, no, I, I just, I think the guy had put up some pretty outrageous numbers his freshman year, and I don't know that he's going to be able to do that again. His numbers weren't bar, that outrageous. Like by modern college football standards, he was like kind of average. He, he had re- a lot of touchdowns. Did he have like 40, forty-five? He set a record for touchdowns. For, I, think. I think it was forty-five, um, but it was like thirty passing thirty. Four passing and I think eleven rushing. Like it was not a bad season. I don't. I don't mean to, to shortchange him. But, but it wasn't like, a forty five hundred yard season. Like he wasn't Lamar Jackson. Like yeah. He, yeah. He, yeah. So I, that is. It's not that crazy for me to think that he can. do I just that don't because, think he has the players around him that he used to. And the oh, best cool, year that yeah. he had, I just don't think. And I think that there was a big boost there that doesn't exist anymore. I think it's possible that they can go twelve and zero. I think it's possible that people can feel like he's the right guy again. I just don't think it's going to be. <clears throat> the Heisman Trophy candidate JT Barrett show that people think Kevin Wilson's going to create. Well, yeah, I think it's always important to like restate what he had around him in 14. 
two NFL receivers, Devin Smith, Michael Thomas, NFL running back, Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott. I, got, I went so long without having to say his name. <laughs> you don't know how to say it, stuff. Zeke. Um, left tackle, NFL. Who, tight end, NFL. Tight end, NFL. Jeff Hyreman. Both tight ends, NFL. Yeah. Hyreman and Vanette. And Evan Spencer was an NFL receiver. That's three NFL receivers. He had Pat Alfine on the line, who's in the NFL. Billy Price was on the line, who will be in the NFL next year. Um, Daryl Baldwin, who is not in the NFL, but got a shot. And then Jacoby Bourne, who was not an NFL player, but like a tough as nails center. Like he was in, it's to restate the obvious that he was a product of everyone around him. And if you, if the argument is that the talent he has around him now is not as good or probably nearly as good, um, I think I buy that. But I, I think a return to 2014 form for JT Barrett is out there for him only because I don't think it's some crazy unattainable season. I think there are not a lot of quarterbacks who can put up the kind of numbers that he did, but it's it's just a really good season for a college football quarterback. It's not the best season ever. So do we think that he can return to Michigan State accuracy? <sighs> Michigan State 2014. State 14 the best game he ever played probably. Right. Because when you – is there going to be a season of that is the way he I was rip, He was ripping the ball in that game, man. I don't. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not that. That. That's. That's like you said. Peak J T. Barrett. Completely unconcerned. Basically, what was going on around him? He took the snap. He looked at his guy and he ripped the ball down the field and threw for three hundred yards and ran for hundred yards and played the best game he's ever played. So, if you're holding hold him to that standard, I'll say no. He'll come a little short of that. But I still think it could be really good because he was never that good the rest of that season, and he still had the season that he had. So he just scored a lot of touchdowns, and I think that kind of. Like it was like twenty eight hundred yards and a thousand, close to a thousand yards rushing and forty five yeah. touchdowns. Like he's not. He scored like he accounted for like four or five touchdowns a game, didn't he? Yeah, and like so. And yeah. I think that's kind of the reason why it's like if you throw for one hundred and twenty yards and rush for one hundred and ten, and you had five touchdowns, like I still think that like there's no way you can criticize that. He had games like that last year, even for yeah. as much as he struggled, he had a couple games like that. Yeah, it's and not it, that he's not incapable of it. It's just whether or not we think he's going to be. I think the best way to put it is praised JT Barrett, not hated JT Barrett. And it's just, I mean, I, I know some people were making some, like, statistical arguments last year with JT when people like us were saying, man, he's not the same guy he was in 2014. And then people would say, well, look at this, through eight games in 2014 and through eight games now he has this. And it's like, well, they scored 70 on Bowling Green. He threw four touchdowns to Noah Brown against Oklahoma. But if you, if you watch the second half of last season, I mean, you couldn't argue that he was as good. You just couldn't argue it. People pointed to completion percentage, which has gone largely unchanged in every year he's been quarterback. A number that has tra- changed a lot, and I don't have it in front of me, but I wrote about it during the Fiesta Bowl last year, is yards per attempt. Yes. Dropped by like two or three yards, which, which is, is drastic. Like, yeah. So, And Devin Smith is part of that. But there's also, there's just a let it rip. And you can, can't you just see it? Like every Ohio yeah. State fan I think knows exactly what we're talking about, right? That's all I want to see. The let it rip JT, the confident let it rip JT, the JT that we've talked about a million times, and we we know the coaches thought it too that the two minute drill JT, the third down JT, the fourth quarter JT see that every play all game, not only when he's back against the wall, and this offense will be much better. And I think we all know what we're talking about, and it just was not there in the they're second half too, of last year. They're just too good and too much better talent-wise to 95% of the teams they play to ever be hesitant about anything ever. Yeah. I think it's that simple. Don't be hesitant. Play the game. It's like know you're better and be better. Yeah. Yeah. Look good, feel good, you know? Look good, feel good, play good. That's what Harbaugh, that's why he was wearing a sweatshirt. 
Um, all right, so should we talk about uh, let's talk about buffets for a second? Oh, buffets. Yeah. Curveball. Ari was on a cruise. Oh yeah, and it yeah, was yeah. conflicting. And, and it applies whether you've been on a cruise or not. It applies to every buffet. But it's a very dangerous world because you can end up eating a lot of buffets on a cruise, right? 85 to 90% of the meals I ate for the past three weeks was a buffet. And how does any human go to a buffet and, and not, not eat yourself, yourself sick? Like what is the what is it that a person would have inside of them that would allow them to avoid that? I mean the best thing you can do is not go ever go to a buffet. But if you're in a situation where you're surrounded by buffets – and it's all inclusive. I don't know what you're supposed to There's do. There's people Take on, that, on that boat that like were clear like weightlifters who would go in there and like get a piece of prime rib and vegetables and then eat that and then leave. And I don't understand how that could be possible. Like I was eating rolls while putting food on my plate. <laughs> um, and I ended up eating a lot of the same stuff every day because it just wasn't that good. Like variety and quality are an inverse relationship on a place like that so if you've ever been to hometown buffet and you're really hungry you've been to hometown been to golden corral i'm not a big buffet guy but if you go into a place like that and you're starving like the first serving or the first plate's always really good and the longer that you're there it all starts tasting the same because nothing is really quality it's all just made from the same ingredients and it all kind of tastes the same after a while you're not a big buffet guy not like not like buffet restaurant no like i would prefer like a buffet at a wedding rather than a sit-down dinner because you get a little more variety and you're not tied in maybe to something you don't like. But, like, I don't like going to Old Country Buffet or Hometown Buffet or whatever, or Golden Corral. Because you don't want to eat four servings or because you don't like the food? I think they're dirty. <laughs> so Old Country Buffet, if, if you want to sponsor buffet, the, uh, the I don't, podcast, I don't, re- I don't want to reach into the fried chicken basket that 800 people I reached that. into that day. Golden Corral is probably not... And I'm mostly talking about you, Golden Corral. Yeah, yeah Golden Corral's not where I would... Are we going to get sued now? You're gross. Now so, we're going to get sued. No, I don't not, think we're saying anything that not everybody already thinks. But I don't say anything. I've I'm been done. to Golden Corral, and I've smashed food in Golden Corral, so they've got good rolls in there. I'm just saying I'd rather go to a place that has really good food, because you can stuff yourself. You don't need a buffet to stuff yourself. And I might have gained 12 to 15 pounds on the boat. And I will say that none of the meals that I ate while I was on this European cruise were memorable. It was just quantity. And now I regret it. Sad. Uh, I wanted, before we get into the Ari retrospective, the idea here at Big Ten Media Days, it always feels to me, and tell me if it's just, are we biased because it's our lens and we're Ohio State writers, but it just always feels like, like everything's about Ohio State here. Now, there's also a part of it that's about Harbaugh now. Yeah. But it's an odd thing to me how dominant – and I, I sort of wrote about this with uh, like the release of the polls and st- our poll that Ohio State – I said Ohio State's the sun and the rest of the Big Ten orbits around Ohio State. And that doesn't mean that they win every year because they've only won one Big Ten championship in six years since the advent of a championship game. But it means I feel like that the choice – at least the last four years, when you're evaluating the Big Ten, the choice is, is Ohio State going to win it or not? And that it's not like equal footing. It's like Ohio State probably should win it, but are they going to get tripped up? And that – so the last four years, Ohio State has won it once. They've lost three Big Ten games in those three years, and the three teams they lost to, that team won the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. So 
the team that won the Big Ten was either Ohio State or the only team that beat Ohio State. They're not losing to Minnesota. They're not losing to Purdue. They're not losing to Maryland or Rutgers. They're losing to the Big Ten champion. What will ever make that change? And do you guys sort of get that same vibe that, like, we come here, we write about Ohio State all the time, and then we get here, and everything's about Ohio State? I don't. I don't know. I didn't really have that vibe this year, or at least it was lessened a little bit. I think to previous years, the room was bigger. Is that what it was? I think that's what it was. Maybe. I don't know. I also think like, obviously, Urban Meyer like dominates whatever room he's in because he's Urban Meyer. But like JT Barrett wasn't here, who's a who's a big name. The guys that Ohio State brought with them are not necessarily household names, even though Billy Price is an All American and Tyquan Lewis is the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. They're not necessarily big personality guys um and i just think like the star power of ohio state was was maybe a little less here than it has been in previous years outside of urban meyer and i think that penn state even though they inexplicably did not bring saquon barkley to this has a little more to it now that they won the big 10 last year went on the run they won at the end of the year beat ohio state had a uh, kind of epic rose bowl with usc it's not that penn state's on even footing but i think penn state stole a little bit of that from ohio state at least this year I just don't think that anybody from another beat is going to be rushing over to interview Chris Worley. And that's not because Chris Worley's not good. I mean, it's just what you said. It's just not yeah. the star power that you're going to really want to write about. And I don't know that any other fan base wants to read about the three guys that Ohio State brought, even though they're all very good players. And I think that's part of it. But I do think that Ohio State is the Big Ten team and everybody else. Uh, I think Michigan is still a half step ahead of Penn State from a interesting standpoint just Harbaugh is Harbaugh and um, you know Michigan chasing Ohio State is still I think a little bit more interesting to the rest of the media world than Penn State is I don't know that's just my take I think the, the one thing that has remained and is will always be consistent here is that if you go around the tables and you look at whatever head coach from other program or players from other programs like usually they get asked if they're not asked about their own program their own teammates their own coach they're asked about whoever the new guy is which this year is P.J. Fleck, and we're going to go in the interviews in a little bit, and there's going to be a lot of P.J. Fleck talk, I'd imagine. Everyone always gets asked about Ohio State, no matter what, and I think that is consistent and will always be consistent. There's also a lot of Ohio State writers. Too many. A lot of time. <laughs> Landis is going to thin out the beat. Um, a lot of times the people asking other people about Ohio State are Ohio State, <laughs> Ohio, <coughs> excuse me, Ohio State writers because there's a million of us. Yeah. But I agree with that too. All right, so Ari. Is there anything else with football you guys want to talk about first? I want to talk about the Johnny Dixon thing. Just do you buy it? Five seconds each. Yes. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> that was you giving two answers. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't thought he looked awesome in the spring game, but I've learned over the years that that means very little. Yeah, I, I, this seems different to me. I, and I think it, I think it, I can buy it. But I think that the odds of him staying healthy and also being as good as he seemed are lower than him. Stevie needs to stay healthy. There's a lot of healthy people that aren't game breakers. You know, so I think he's got a lot of things to overcome, not just the knees and being healthy, but also being in the game plan enough in this wide receiver rotation and making plays in an offense that has struggled passing. I think it I don't know. I don't know what to buy. I buy the talent part of it because he's just never had a chance to show it, but that, that it would be there makes complete sense. And I think we, Bill and I did a video about this the other day. I compared him to Marshawn Lattimore, that Marshawn Lattimore was at Ohio State for two years and had major injury issues. And then when he got healthy, 
He was a first-round pick. I'm not saying Johnny Dixon's going to be a first-round pick, but if he's if he can play, if the injuries aren't affecting his play, I believe that his talent certainly could lead him to be a really, really important part of this offense. And he was, I mean, he was a bigger recruit than K.J. Hill. He was a bigger recruit than Terry McLaurin. I mean, Paris Campbell was a big deal, but Paris Campbell was a running back in high school. Was he, like, prior to, like, Trayvon Grimes this year, and I'm – Maybe I'm wrong, but is Johnny Dixon the best receiver recruit that Urban Meyer has had? Top hundred national player, the number nine receiver in the country. I mean, when he got when they got Johnny Dixon, it was like, wow, this is huge. Florida guy. I mean, so I mean, I think the Marshawn Lattimore situation is on the table for like finally he's healthy and boom. But and I'm not a doctor. Chronic knee problems are tough. So I don't, I cannot at the moment, uh, this is based on nothing other than what I just said and what we've seen in the past, not on any current medical information. I just can't, I don't, I don't believe at the moment that he's going to play 12 healthy games. So I hope he does. Good luck to him. I, it's terrible when these kids can't show how good they can be because of injuries. But at this point, it would surprise me if he is a consistent every game threat for them because I just think it's going to be, too tough to stay healthy all year. Yeah, the important question that I have is, is it true that if you don't use it, you lose it? <laughs> and I think that it's different because Marshawn Lattimore wasn't out. I mean, Johnny's been on this program. What, was this fifth year now? This is fourth year. Fourth year? He's a senior? Fourth year junior. Um, it's been a while. So I don't know if it's I mean, a little different. Is that Was that inappropriate, what I just did? <laughs> no. Just from no. the movie. What movie is that from? 40-Year-Old Virgin. Year old virgin. Oh. Now, now yeah. it's inappropriate. <laughs> oh, yeah. we got to take that out. Um, I mean, it wasn't. Yeah. But, I mean, Marshawn missed two years and Johnny Dixon missed three. So, yeah. it wasn't like Marshawn missed one and Johnny Dixon missed four. But I agree. But it's more. It's longer. And I also feel like Marshawn. Yeah. No, you're right. Johnny Dixon's played in seven. And Marshawn played a little games. bit. Marshawn played a little bit. I was like, Marshawn, bit. Johnny Dixon hasn't done anything. He's played in 14 games in three years, which is probably, if you went back and added it up, about as much as Marshawn Lattimore played. Okay. I don't know that for sure, but did you look that up? I know that he played fourteen, yeah, and he had seven catches. All right, all right. So we'll do an Ari retrospective here. I don't even know what that means, so I'm a little bit nervous. I don't know. I'm going to hum. I'm going to play a Sarah McLaughlin song in the background. (laughs) Please don't. This has been natural. The first forty minutes of this have been good. (laughs) We were on the same page there. That's Sarah McLaughlin, right? Yeah, I think so. All yeah. I want to do now is donate what $5 if God to was that's one not, of us. That's, Who's that? That's uh, Sarah. Jo- Joan Osborne. Is that her name? That's my, right. I just Listen, nailed $5 what, to a uh, pet kennel. <laughs> what, did you, um, what did you like most about uh, covering Ohio State for the last four years? Bill and Doug. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> Why? Uh, tell us about what you thought when you came to Cleveland.com in 2013 from your previous stop. I made it. Really? Is that what you thought for real? I did, yeah. Well, when I was in college back in the day, like, being a beat writer at a major newspaper slash publication was like the ultimate goal. I didn't think that, that was an achievable goal till you were in your mid-30s at the very least, you know? So when I got hired when I was 26 to do that for Cleveland.com, to me it was just like this was the break that I needed to get in my 20s to really give it a go uh, in this profession. And I think – you see a lot of people really try to start to become sports writers 
And then over the years, in their early 20s, they enjoy it, but then they don't get paid anything, and then they fizzle out and they move on to something else. And to be honest with you, had Cleveland.com not opened its doors to me a few years ago, maybe I'd be selling insurance right now, you know, because you only can take so much making the salaries that early journalists make. So when I got that job and I got the opportunity to work with you and Zach, I thought this is the, the break that I needed to actually chase this profession. So it changed my life. I'm crying. Did you, did you, <laughs> did you, how close did you come to really uh, going to sell insurance full time? Really close. Um, fun fact, guys, uh, when I was like 25 or 24 years old, I had a lunch with McDonald, uh, Doug at McDonald's. The same McDonald's that is our office now, and I'm still not quite sure if I'm still welcome to work there. It's, it's not your office anymore. <laughs> yeah, the name the, the, we changed the, the name placard. <laughs> the name on the, the name placard on the door has been removed. Um, but he told me to you know stick with it, and I don't even know if you remember all the advice or even if you believed anything he told me back then. But um, very close, you know, because there's when I first moved to Ohio from Phoenix after college to work here in the, in the first two stops, I was, I wasn't making enough money to support myself. Yeah. And if you're not making enough money to support yourself and you have parents that have been gracious enough to help you out in that journey, when you're 25, that's not funny anymore. You know, that's not, so there's a point in time where it's just like, I got to support myself. And the Cleveland.com break happened right at the threshold of when I couldn't take it anymore. Oh uh, yeah. Good timing. Yeah. Yeah, mid twenties. It's an interesting business, and I was telling Bill about this before. So I'm 43, and like when I was coming up, it was like a very common thing of like you get a, you go to a small paper, then maybe you go to a suburban paper, then maybe you go to a big paper, and you try to make that progress. And it was a very natural thing to do. And obviously, that model has completely exploded. So there's all kinds of places and all kinds of things to do, and there are lots of really good places to work in journalism in Ohio, and there's some places that aren't so great, but people who want to do it sometimes are forced into situations. But it can be really complicated. Like, And I know this is like inside the business stuff, but I think people like a little bit of this sometimes. It can be really hard to figure out what to do sometimes. And the path is not really straight anymore for everybody. I felt like when I was coming up, it was fairly straight. It didn't mean for sure you'd get there, but the, pretty much the way everybody got there was the same. And this is like, everybody has their own zigzag, you know, like, it's like, you go here, you go there. Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I take a pay cut to try this thing? Should I take a risk to move here? I'm not even sure if it's a real deal or not. Should I stick with like a more mainstream thing? but that place that might be laying people off or should I go to a place that's new but has an uncertain future? It is a really crazy thing to try to figure out. And I think in the end, um, there's a lot of luck involved because there's a lot of good people out there who are really good at it and just it, the luck didn't go their way. Um, but you can't, you just don't know. That's the thing about all of this is like in the end, there's no certainty to anything. And so you don't know for sure what the right thing is because the right thing is also like a lot in a lot of ways out of your control anyway. So all you try to do is do good work and see what happens. But it's a strange, strange thing. But we get to go to football games, right? It's still yeah. true for me today. That's not over. You know? I thought yeah. you were selling insurance. That's not what you're doing? Yeah, I actually <laughs> left sports journalism. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to have me on once a week to talk about Ohio State. Uh, and if you need a muffler, I can help you out. <laughs> That'd be, if you if we could get an ad from you, that'd be huge. Yeah. From Ari Wasserman. If I ever go Ball into State. a, a third-party business where that's not journalism-related, you're my first phone call for advertising. Mm. That seems like an unwise if business. I open up an all, <laughs> if I open up an Allstate insurance agency, 
you guys can help me sell renter's policy. <laughs> I'd do that. Were you good at selling insurance? I've been very good at selling. You seem like a guy who can move life. product. Really? I I was a... Did you have to do cold calls? I sold hats in the mall when I was 16, and I broke the store record my first year, and most products sold. Then I you moved on to... broke the record? How many of those hats did you buy yourself? <laughs> um... No, I shatter sales records yeah. there. Um, like, but how? Like, it also why? coincided, funny enough, with the year. I don't know what year this was. You probably know this, Doug. But did the Cubs make it to the NLCS or the World Series, like in the mid two thousands one year? Two thousand three, Bartman, right? Yeah, two thousand three. Yeah. During that run was my first year at that hat store, and Cubs fans were buying hats like crazy. Uh, so I think that might have helped. But then I moved on to Chase Bank, um, and then I got promoted as a teller when I was 17 years old because I sold a ton of extra stuff that Chase wants you to sell, like bank accounts and all this extra. I can't even remember. It's been 10 years. but And then I went to the insurance place, and I crushed it there, too. And when I took the BSB job uh, and left my first journalism stop, the insurance agency that I was working at part-time to help pay my rent like made me a huge offer that I didn't know if I could refuse because they didn't want me to leave. I've always been a pretty good salesman. But, like, so, like, what do you do? Did you, like, someone would come in and, like, put on a hat and you'd be like, sweet lid, man, you look really good, you gotta get that. I mean, I don't know if I should be bragging about selling hats because, like, you're not, like, selling somebody a life policy. Yeah, but they came in but, to like, buy the they, hat. But, like, I would play music and I would leave people alone but be just engaged because I can't stand when you're in the mall and the person you're in retail that you're trying to is overbearing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you go into a clothing store and they're like, hey, can I help you find anything? You say, no, I'm just looking around. They goes, well, we got the sale here. It's just like, shut up and let me look around. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you do? Am I you... the only one that thinks that? No, I think I'll oh, okay. So you were cold. But So insurance, is it cold calling? There was like, a lot of Like on Glen Gary, Glen Ross? I was working at an insurance agency, so I was helping service a lot of the existing policies that we already had. And if somebody calls up and says, I need to add this car to my insurance policy because I just got a new car. Part of the business is to try to ask them, Hey, do you have your home with us? And then try to package and, and sell on top of, because if you might have a renter's policy with Allstate, but if you don't have your life auto and health or whatever it is that they can sell you, then they're going to try to sell that to you. So I don't know if anybody's really good at calling, Hey, Mr. Steve Griffin, uh, will me sell you. If, you? if they don't know you're calling, you're probably not going to be a very good salesman, but if you're already doing business with that person, I think you can you can really do get some good stuff. I crushed it. I got some good commission. Sweet commission. Yeah. How did this turn into a discussion about the insurance industry? I'm always interested because I've never really had another job. I mean, I, I made chicken fingers at an amusement park, and I used to hide chicken fingers in my pocket and eat them. Um, but so you stole them. I don't know if that counts as stealing or not. Did you, if pay, you're, did you pay for them? If you, but it's a, I mean, people who work at a restaurant like don't take a little nibble. You put I mean, I chicken would. fingers in your pocket to hide them. Yeah, they were hot too. It's weird. It's like polyester <laughs> pants. It's a weird. I'd pull out a chicken finger, be covered like in pocket lint, be burning my leg off, and then I'd take a bite of it. Where was it? That was probably stealing. Hershey Park. Oh yeah. In Pennsylvania. Um, but I always think other people's jobs are interesting because I don't know how the rest of the world works. So I'm always interested. People I don't know are if, far more interested in your job than you are in theirs. Trust me. I don't know if, if podcast listeners are interested in a detailed breakdown of the insurance industry, but I could have asked like 15 more questions about like, you know, well, like, would you try to sell them if they had a renter's policy? Would you try to sell them home and life at the same time? You would wouldn't you ask sell personal somebody with questions? a renter's policy a home policy because they're renting. Oh, see, <laughs> you, you did crush it. I can tell. <laughs> All right, so you're leaving. 
Good luck. And uh, Bill and I have a new Cleveland.com Ohio State partner named Tim Bielek. Go follow him on Twitter. How do you spell his last name? B-I-E-L-E-K? I think it's L-I-K. B-I-E-L-I-K. That's that's a, in fe- an offensive thing by me, who has a, the worst <laughs> last name to spell of anybody in the world, and I'm just walking around spelling people's names wrong, so I apologize for that. You'll find him. Type in Tim and start spelling it, and you'll find him. Follow him. He's going to be joining us to, for, to keep a three-man Ohio State coverage team. Um, podcast will keep rolling. We'll keep doing this at Cleveland.com. We'll be back from Big Ten Media Days uh, on Wednesday, and then Ohio State starts camp on Thursday. So you might be listening to this as camp starts on Thursday. Um, They're starting a little early because they can't do two-a-days anymore because of an NCAA rule, but they can still have the same number of practices. So it's actually a larger window in which you can practice. And they also have the Thursday opener instead of a Saturday opener, which also pushed it up two days. So it's a really early start to camp this year. I think Urban Meyer is going to get him in on Thursday and Friday, he said, then give him the weekend off mm-hmm. and then kick it up back again uh, the following Monday. And then that will really start in earnest, I think. Right? I think it actually might start in earnest the following oh. Thursday. I think it go Thursday, Friday, off Saturday, Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, similar walkthroughs to Thursday and Friday. And then the following Thursday is like when they act with, put the pads on and it's the first real day at camp. Okay. That's okay. the vibe that I got. Okay. But there also there's always limits to – First couple practices, helmets only, then you can go to shoulder pads and that kind of thing. So. Well, these are like, the way that Irvin Meyer described it is it's just an extension of their summer workouts, but they can use a ball. So I, don't, I think when we show up on Thursday, they're not going to be in uniform. Maybe okay. they're wearing helmets, but I think they, it's more likely they're in t shirts and shorts doing like seven on seven and kind of like walkthrough stuff. Okay. Okay. So we'll keep you covered for that. Um, Thanks for joining us here on Buckeye Talk. You can follow Bill Landis at BillLandis25. You can follow me on Twitter at Doug Maurice. You can follow Ari Wasserman on Twitter at Ari Wasserman. That's the last time, huh? What's that? That you tell people to follow me. Yeah, they can follow you on Twitter. Um, I just wanted to say I love you guys. And it kind of sucked being in Chicago, working and sitting next to you guys and not being a part of your team. And I wanted to thank all the Cleveland.com people for – following my work here, and um, I miss you guys already. That's all I wanted to say. You miss us already? I do. Everybody's come up to us and said, uh, man, I can't believe you guys lost Ari. It's really tough. And I always say, he didn't go anywhere. He's yeah. still sitting next to us. I'm just saying, from, we're going to see you. Between being, I'm not saying I miss you as a human. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm going to see you. I'm saying I'll miss working with you guys because I don't know. I'm alone now, but I don't know if getting people in a work environment that you get along with as well as we got along with is something that happens regularly. So I appreciate it, and I thought we did a lot of really good work together, and I'll miss that. All right. Good luck, Ari Wasserman. Um, All right. Thanks for listening to this latest edition from Radio Row and Podcast Row, it turns out, at the uh, McCormick Place in Chicago for Big Ten Media Days. For Bill Landis and Ari Wasserman, I'm Doug Maurice, And that was Buckeye Talk. (laughs) 